What is up, everybody? You are listening to the Reasonably Outrageous Podcast, hosted by Matt Weirich and myself, Blake Pace. We are here on May 22nd. It is a Wednesday. We're here in the middle of the work week, and, uh, you know, Matt and I are hanging, ready to talk about some sports. Matt, how are you doing? I'm pretty good, Blake. Uh, thanks for asking. It's good to be here. Um, you know, today is actually a pretty important day for me. Uh, actually, well, technically, this, this podcast is being released on the 22nd, recording on the 21st, yes. we'll have to act like it's 22nd, but, so yesterday, I guess, when all of you are listening, pretty important day for me, four years ago, uh, this date, May 21st, I won states in volleyball in my high school, uh, tournament, um, you know, one of the rare academic or athletic achievements of my life, you know, I have to really hang up on that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. so, you know, I just had to let the world know that, uh, uh go Panthers. Um, <laughs> it was, it was an honor to, to serve on that court. Uh, I played a, a middle front. I'm six, five. So that, that helps, you know, just the height there had that advantage, but you know, Hey, volleyball that I played it for one year we, and we won States. It was, it was a great run. We went undefeated actually. And I, had a, I gained a lot of respect for that sport after a, a year of playing it. So uh, just had to put that out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it popped up on my Instagram like memories or whatever. Of course. Uh, so I was like, oh, cool. Got to my boys share from the team out. back in the day. Connected a little bit. And, yeah. Good. Well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch that. You were talking about something that was great. I'm gonna actually take a moment to uh, kind of acknowledge, and I'm I'm not gonna dwell on this too long because it is a very sad subject for me uh you know may 22nd when this is coming out i would just like to acknowledge the four-year anniversary of when i lost one of my very good friends uh lexi porter and another andrea uh zimmer uh in a car accident my senior year of high school two very close people uh to them uh passed away in a car accident may 22nd so i just want to give a quick shout out to them uh you know Cortland, New York community isn't a big one, but we definitely still remember uh may 22nd very near and dear in our hearts so i'm gonna you know not not dwelling on this too long. This is a sports podcast where we like to acknowledge Matt's athletic feats in volleyball, but definitely a, <laughs> definitely a quick shout out to the two of them and to you know all of the ones affected in my small community. Um, but Absolutely. yeah, rest in peace. of course, of course, rest in peace to uh, Lexi and Andrea. All right, well, we're gonna uh, talk about some baseball. We don't have a whole lot going on in the sports world. Obviously, we got. NBA playoffs, and at the point of this podcast right now, the Raptors are up on the Bucks in the second half. We're not sure what exactly is going to be the outcome of that game yet, so we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some Warriors uh, in a little bit. They've obviously swept the um, Trailblazers uh, in the four games in the Western Conference Finals, but first we're going to talk some baseball. We're going to talk about Cody Bellinger, uh, a guy that I I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, over the past couple podcasts. He's been an absolute uh, tear to start the year. But I want to talk about how he compares to Aaron Judge. Now, the two players uh, were the co-Rookie of the Year winners in 2017, obviously Bellinger for the National League, Judge for the American League. And for a while there, it looked like Judge was the better of the two. I mean, he had the better rookie season, finished second in MVP voting, then came back the the next year. Bellinger played all 162 games last year, but really kind of took a step back, uh, whereas Judge continued on that torrid pace. Uh, didn't play as many games, obviously battled some injuries, uh, wasn't necessarily the same player that he was, but still much better than Bellinger. And now this year, Bellinger has absolutely torn the cover off the ball. I mean, he's leading the league in so many categories. I can't even list them off right now. Uh, so I want to pose this question. Judge is 27, obviously, and, and Bellinger is 23. So Bellinger's got a longer career ahead of him. But when it's all said and done, who is going to have the better career? Cody Bellinger or Aaron Judge? Blake being a Yankees fan, I'm figuring hmm. we're going to be getting a biased argument out of him coming here. But Blake, 
What is your take here? So, yeah, I mean, listen, of course I'm going to defend Aaron Judge. He has been kind of the my pride and joy over the last uh, couple seasons. And, you know, he's certainly, when healthy and when playing at the top of his game, one of the best uh, athletes in the game of baseball. Um, that being said, he's hurt a lot. Um, I understand he deals with a lot of injuries. Um, and, and, you know, throughout times you'll miss him first round. Of course, he's out currently with an injury and we're not sure necessarily when he is going to return for this Yankees lineup. I would just like to point out, uh, Matt, while we are here, I know I'm going to, you know, probably be owned a little bit in this segment. I'd just like to point out that the Yankees are in fact atop the AL East, despite missing maybe their top five best players on the team. While the, uh, Nats just lost what two in a row to the Mets. I don't want to necessarily, uh, you know, dig in too much on you, but I feel like I need to get my, uh, my <laughs> high points in while I can just had to put that out there. Of course. And just, yeah, know, just, just throwing so that out there. Just, yeah. Just, just putting out my small win here. Um, listen, I, you know, when I look at, when I look at both of these guys and, you know, both of them in their short careers, of course, Aaron Judge's career started a little bit later on in his life while we got Bellinger, of course, younger, as you were saying earlier. Um, you know, the big thing that points, you know, that sticks out to me is of course, you know, Judge has, you know, missed, you know, a certain amount of games, I guess in, uh, you know, in 2018 played in 112 games. Of course, he only appeared in 20 in 2019 and we are not sure, uh, when he is going to make it back. On the other hand, Cody Bellinger has played in, let me make sure that I've got this right, since the year 2017, 132, 162, and he's played in 46 games this season. So clearly the availability is like I always, I feel like is the best uh, case. Availability is always the best ability. So, you know, Aaron Judge has dealt with some injuries, and I'm not sure if that just comes from playing at a in a sport like this with his stature. I know, you know, I also look at a guy like Giancarlo Stan, who's dealt with injuries from time to time. Um, you know, these are bigger guys, bigger bodies, and we're not sure really how sometimes they can stand the test of time. It's kind of like, you know, you look at the NBA, you've got some of those bigger guys that just can't stay healthy. Um, you know, you, you go through more wear and tear when you're a bigger size and you're going through, you know, um, you know, physical activities on an everyday basis like you do with baseball. Um, <clears throat> you know, one thing I would say with with both of them is that when, you know, they're at their best, they're amazing, and when they're at their worst, they do hit some pretty big slumps, um, you know, typically, you know, I, I look at Bellinger's last season, I believe there was a stretch, I'm not sure if it was in late May to July, or if it was a little later on in the season, I was looking at a, you know, I think it was like a 40 to 47 game summary, and you know, when, when Bellinger was cold, it was around a 202 average over that 40, you know, 40 or 50 game stretch, and just from even watching the Yankees, I'd say almost on an everyday basis, when Judge gets cold, He's, you know, one of the, you know, he's one of the colder hitters in baseball. So, you know, when they're at their best, they're great in baseball. Um, uh, when they're, you know, they're coldest, they definitely go through some rough stretches. Now, the only thing I would, I, I would like to give to Aaron Judge, and both of these two are in premier markets. They're on one of the better teams, you know, in baseball. Um, as a Yankees fan, of course, I would like to hope that maybe we look at a player's career as the success as the correlates in the win column and not the stats. But of course, you know, athletics are a team sport. It's a team sport. And so the Yankees, of course, are, you know, you know, we're on the chase for 28. So I'd like to hope that, you know, Judge gets a few World Series rings throughout his career. Um, but, you know, it's it's tough to defend him when Bellinger is off to such a hot start. You know, we look at his 
It's uh, also worth mentioning the Dodgers uh, have a better record than the Yankees right, right now. Right, of course, uh, of course. You know, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say, you know, that the Dodgers <laughs> – I'm not trying to say that the Dodgers are, a, you know, a worse team. I'm just – I'm putting, you know, historical context into a perspective. You know, the Yankees are the are MLB's dynasty uh, since the beginning of time. And, you know, you, you would think that if if that should continue – I know they haven't really won a ton in, in recent, you know, I guess a 10-year span, you know – you would hope that they would be able to kind of, you know, continue on their, their reign over MLB that they have had since the beginning of, of, uh, you know, time. But, you know, you look at Bellinger and of course the 405 batting average, the 485 on base percentage, uh, 44 RBIs, 17 home runs. He's on a tear that's unlike no other. I mean, he's, uh, it's what we're in May 22nd and he is within 32, uh, of his RBIs from last season. He's within eight home runs from his total last season, clearly playing as one of, if not the best baseball player this year. So I get the argument. I get Bellinger's hot start. And I know I'm trying to defend judge as much as I can, but it's hard to, when he's, you know, really not at, you know, he hasn't played this year. You know, we talk about, he's just been 20 games and he's dealing with an injury. So hopefully uh, if he returns, he returns hot. So my argument can stand a little more validity, but as of right now, you know, I, I have to give a lot of credit to Cody and in his start this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at starts like this and, you know, I always try to find ways to poke holes in it and say, OK, how is this player going to come back down to earth? And, you know, Bellinger's got a 405 bad, uh, bad bip, uh, which suggests some serious regression uh, in terms of that. His home run per fly ball rate league average is 15 percent. He's got a 33.3 percent. So. You know, there are, there are definitely things that are going in Bellinger's favor right now that suggest, okay, he's going to come back to earth. But at the same time, there are a lot of a lot of numbers here that I want to dive into here for a minute uh, that really point to a serious adjustment on Bellinger's part. So I have four things that make Bellinger a better player than Aaron Judge uh, and why I believe his mm-hmm. start is for real right now. First one is he's putting more power into a swing. According to Fangraphs, Bellinger's hard hit rate this season is 52.9% which is about 10% better than his career average and better than Judge has ever done. His ground ball and fly ball percentages are both down, while his line drive percentage has skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I love this stat. He's leading the majors in sweet spot percentage, sweet 48.6%. Spot. That means he percent of times the ball is hitting the bat, 48.6% of that time, he is getting it on the <laughs> sweet spot of the bat. He's getting it exactly where he wants it to be. Hmm. Why is that? His eye for the zone has improved. His strikeout rate has plummeted. Walk rate on the rise. His most important improvement, however, has been his ability to make contact. Just an 8.3 swinging strike percentage. 8.3 swinging strike percentage. Contact rate above 80%. Swinging at just 26.4% of pitches outside of the zone. Also, he's a left-handed hitter. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. He He has to go against the shift. All right. right. Bellinger is pulling the ball at a career high rate of 51 percent, 51 percent. That I mean, that is telling every defense you face, OK, you need to be he's a lefty hitter. So he's going to pull to the right side. You need to have three infielders on the right side of the field. Right. Defenses are recognizing that shifting on him in 108 of his 194 plate appearances entering play on th- Tuesday. Fifty six percent of his plate appearances. He's had defenses shift on him. Yet he's hitting 419 in those plate appearances, which ranks fifth among qualified left-handers this season. Finally, defensive flexibility. Bellinger has 10 defensive run saves in right field this season. Judge, 14 all of last year, which was his career best. 
Bellinger obviously only, only played 46 games. Last year, he played 78 games at center field, and he came up as a first baseman and still plays there now. I can play all over the outfield, plus first base, all at reasonable to plus side. Uh, we're talking, I mean, a gold glove here right now uh, with his performance in right field. More power, excelling against the shift, better eye for the zone, defensive flexibility with uh, judges' strikeout rates, you know, obviously not seeing the ball the same way. Obviously, you know, obviously he's in hurt right now, but I'm just talking about in his career so far. Right. He led the league in strikeouts his rookie year. Last year, he had 152 strikeouts, which was one more than Bellinger, despite the fact that Judge played 50 fewer games. Judge is a right-handed hitter, barely faces the shift, doesn't have to, uh, you know, spray the ball to opposite sides, which he barely hits to the opposite side of the field, only 28% this season or in his career. Uh, so, you know, obviously defenses, they can't afford to shift on him. Uh, to that side because he's pulling it way too much the other way. And you can't exactly put three fielders on the left side of the field uh, because that leaves you too weak uh, in terms of covering first base or covering second. So overall, and plus defensive flexibility, you know, he only plays right field and DH doesn't go. He played, I think eight innings in center field in his career. And other than that, he has only played in right field. Uh, So, you know, Bellinger, what I've seen out of him so far is he's changed his swing so much where he's hitting the ball so hard. He's seeing the zone so well. I mean, those are things that you can't really teach. You have to just kind of figure it out on your own. He's adjust. He's made some adjustments to his swing. He's made some adjustments to approach, and both have paid off to the point where I think he's past Judge. I mean, obviously, I think Judge is the guy who we're talking about could hit 60 home runs in his career. Are we talking about the, Bellinger? No. Is he on pace to do that this season? Yes. Do we expect that to go down? Yes. I don't think Bellinger is going to hit 60 home runs in his season, but he's going to do more than Judge. And just Judge has that power edge over him, certainly. But I think Bellinger is just a much more complete player. And I've loved what I've seen out of him. And I think, you know, we were looking at, at Christian Yelich last year, like, oh, is he the same kind of guy? You know, is, is he just like having a career year? Uh, and he actually talked about this in an interview where players get labeled uh, early on in their career. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is the type of player you are. And Christian Yelich was labeled as a slap hitter. Uh, who reached base at a decent clip, played good defense, but you know was not not much more than that. Then he exploded, right? And now everybody was like, "Oh, is this for real?" And he's like, "Yeah, this is me now." You know, you've all thought like, you know, just because I was like this before does not mean I'm going to be like this my entire career. And we've seen this out of a plenty of guys, uh, Daniel Murphy being a big one, um, you know, a couple other guys who have really just changed their career mid-career uh, and been able to you know completely take a different approach and become a completely different player. Bellinger, obviously still young, only 23 years old. He's doing it at just the right time. Um, you know, son of a major leaguer, certainly came up being around the sport, you know, you know, having to make adjustments, having a good coach around him uh, throughout his, his life. Uh, I'm, I'm all in on Cody Bellinger, and I think, you know, where Christian Yelich is right now, I think that's where we're going to be seeing Cody Bellinger, uh, you know, next year when people are saying, okay, was that career year for real? Mm. You know, I think Bellinger, it's going to be yes, same as it was for uh, Christian Yelich. Yeah, I mean, and especially when you look at it, and it, it's it's the gradual improvement through the early parts of their career. I mean, he began in the majors at the age of 21. Um, they don't bring. I understand there are situations where they where you know MLB franchises will bring you up at an early age, and then it's like, okay, we need to give him some more time. But with a guy like that, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's proven. And in his early stages of his career, he's going to be one of the best players in baseball for. What? How long? How long do you think he could be one of the best players in the majors? Because he's only twenty three years old in his third season. I mean, we're looking at, at like ten more years. It, it, ten more years. I think of it at least. And so when you look at that, Aaron Judge, of course, we're in twenty nineteen, and he's twenty seven years old. And of course, we talk about the injuries. 
you know, to me, it, it's it's tough. Uh, and I, I'm trying to do my best to defend Judge because I do agree with you that that I believe Bellinger is the more complete player. I, I Aaron Judge is is my biggest criticism. He has, I guess, <coughs> I guess in my eyes, he's gotten better at the plate in terms of of seeing the zone and drawing walks and not striking out as much. But when you're a guy that's such a, it's 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 home runs or strikeouts. It's it's become one of those things where it's um. You know, I feel like the league is switching to where it's a bigger percentage and, and, you know, that it's it's home run strikeouts. But if you have the guy that can do more than just that and he can get hits, he can get those doubles and the singles in there, um, you're more of a complete player. And I just don't think that Judge necessarily has shown that he can be relied on more than that. I do believe he's gotten better at drawing walks. And I believe, you know... I think about his slump that he went on in last year, and I wish I had exactly the numbers to pull it up, but it, there were middle months um, in, in, in Judge's season last year that it was, God, it was painful to watch. I remember sitting there and watching just, you know, three strikeout games, uh, you know, on a consistent basis. Um, and then, of course, you know, it, it gradually got a little bit better. And, you know, to begin the season, I'm not going to say that it was it was bad at all. You know, in 20 games, uh, he did... <clears throat> excuse me, he did have five home runs, but a batting average of 288, which as it stands right now, it's a small sample size, but it is his career high. He's got a 404 on base percentage and a slugging percentage of 521. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, when he returns, if, you know, if and when he returns, I don't believe it's an if, but just hopefully when he returns from that strained uh, left oblique, which seems to kind of just been causing him fits, you know, uh, I'm looking right now, it says at least until the beginning of June, which hopefully is in a couple of weeks, but at least the beginning of June, it suggests we might be looking at another month without Aaron Judge in the Yankees lineup. It's just one of those things where it, if his body can't hold up consistently and he doesn't improve on the strikeout rate, we're going to see, you know, this, this argument right here won't matter at all because if Cody Bellinger can stay healthy, uh, as we've seen, of course, you know, he plays the, you know, 162 games last year. He's played 46 this year. Um, if if Judge can't stay healthy and Bellinger continues on the tear he's at, I don't you know this argument or this this kind of debate comparison to between these uh, 2017 Rookie of the Year you know first place and runner up um, or I guess these uh, 2017 rookies uh, really you know won't stand a chance uh, in the test of time if if it continues at this pace. Yeah, I mean you know we look at for example Bryce Harper and Mike Trout. Now nobody nobody here is trying to say that Bryce Harper is <laughs> just you, as good as Mike Trout. Are you trying to say Bryce Harper is as good as Mike Trout? No, absolutely <laughs> absolutely not. Um but we I would say that that Harper's best season was better than Trout's best seasons. Now, Trout has been way more consistent. Uh you know, has put together some outstanding years, was on pace to uh top um Babe Ruth in war up until September one year. Um, I, I want to say that was last year, honestly, but, um, you know, Harper has had a lot of problems with injuries where we really haven't been able to see him put it all together for several years in a row. And it's kind of, you know, I, I mean, I don't think anybody would say that even if Harper has been healthy, you know, he'd be as good as Mike Trout. Mike Trout's the best player in the world. Nobody's disputing that, but it would at least be a conversation, uh, where you could kind of look at the two in, in a similar light, you know, and that's kind of the thing with judge and Bellinger right now is, is if judge can't stay healthy, you know, obviously, Cody, who's had pretty good health success in his career so far, played every game last season, uh, has played almost every game this year. I think he's had an off day or two. But, um, you know, Judge obviously needs to stay healthy. Six, six, seven, two eighty two. I mean, you know, that's a lot of body just to, to keep track of. 
Uh, it's, oh, yeah. you know, people who are, are that tall typically are more susceptible to muscle strains, things like that. There's just more muscle, yeah. you know, more length of it and everything uh, that you have to deal with. So, yeah, it, it's it's a shame that we haven't been able to see Judge on the field, uh, you know, as much as we might like to. Uh, you know, obviously, last year only hit 27 home runs. You, if you had played a full season, you know, how many do you think you would have hit? I mean, at least, we're thinking at least 40 at that point, Right. Um, you know, maybe more. He had 52 in that first season, so you know we're kind of just waiting and see at this point. But yeah, I think I think the big thing is, is Judge is just older. You know, you yeah, know, we might be you know, seeing Bellinger running into this thing. Uh, you know, when he's 27 years old, or 26 years old, Very true. running into some injury problems. You know, this is supposed to be Judge's prime. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, 26 to 32 is is ideally the best time to be in a major league baseball player uh, in terms of you know having the best output on the field. And you know, Judge being hurt for a good portion of his 20 26 year season. Uh, already missing uh, a month in his age 27 season, uh, if not more. I mean, at least what Baseball Reference says right now, he's expected to be out of commission until at least the beginning of June, right. which tells me which tells me that you know out of commission he'll return to baseball activities. The exactly. Beginning of June. So then we're we might not see July, him. July maybe. Yeah, yeah. Which is it's just it's awful to see. You know, you never want to see the best players hurt. No. Uh, you know, even you know there was an uh, Tommy John scare with Jacob Degrom earlier this year, and as much as that might have helped the Nats uh, in terms <laughs> of standings, you know, you never want to see a player get hurt, especially no. a, a player who's that good. Um, you know, just you want to. They're all these are all competitors. You want to see them, you know, put their best product on the field and go head to head and see who comes out on top. Even if exactly. it's not your team, you know, it makes for a more entertaining product. Yeah. So it reminds yeah. me. It reminds me of you know, just thinking about injuries like that as just from how much I you know I love football. It reminds me of two seasons ago when we lost Aaron Rodgers to Sean Watson, uh, Carson Wentz yeah. without his injury. It's like you, as much as you may want to root for a team, and I know, you know, you write for the Nats SB Nation blog, and I write for the Colts SB Nation blog, like, w- we want to see, the game is just more fun when these players are playing, and, and so, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully, you know, of, of course, you can't escape injuries on each team, and, you know, stars can't escape injuries, uh, but... Hopefully, when Judge comes back, we will we'll see you know a, a strong addition to this Yankees lineup. Hopefully, we see him return to the greatness that we saw back in in the 2017 season, at least in the in the you know the stats. It, um, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm not too I'm not complaining too much. I know I'd love to see Judge, but I mean I think we the Yankees put up 11 or 12 runs on the O's tonight after putting up 10 the last night. It's dude, you know I we were just this is getting off topic real quick, but in. I think the Yankees have now played five games against the Orioles this season, and I'm not trying to to brag. I mean, the Orioles are probably one of, if not the worst team in baseball, but I think the Yankees in five games in Camden this year, so this is taking away the two-game series that they had in uh, New York. The Yankees have put up, I believe, 45 or 46 runs in, in Camden in five games. So, you know, the <laughs> Baltimore just really is having a rough time with the Yanks, but... uh. Yeah, hopefully we can get Judge back in that lineup soon. Hopefully we can get Stan Severino, but that's well, that's a whole other topic. Don't be so fast to be excited because uh, you're facing me in fantasy baseball this week, and uh, yeah, dude. Domingo Armand is on my squad. How did he do? Did he pick up that quality night. start, or did he get only he five? He did not he get got the five start, innings, right? Five, yeah. yeah. I think he could have gone out. I don't. I don't know what his pitch count oh, was. Oh, dude, he, he was doing all right. He was he was high in the pitch count early on, but I yeah, you know, I think mm. he could have gone one more inning. But, you know, I'm not going to complain oh, because now, you know, he doesn't get that quality start for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I'm 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 riding hot. I won last week uh, in a pretty convincing way. Beat our good friend Bennett. 
Right. Uh, so we'll see. I don't know. I'm winning five, four to one right now. You're at four or five. And oh, okay. So, so we're close. We're close. We're close. We're right there. You're hitting. Your hitting's doing pretty well. You're oh, hitting yeah. home runs and RBIs. There we go. Dingers. Dingers. All right. Let, let's let's go over to, to NBA now. Unless you got anything else left on on Bellinger or Judge. Yeah, I just wish I could have done a better job at defending Judge, but I just feel like it's so much. <laughs> I just feel like you know, with Bellinger's start to this season and not seeing Judge, it's hard to really. You know, try and defend him. I, I'm not going to disagree uh, with anything that you were saying. And you know, well, I here's, feel like even here's another fun context. one. A little bit, a little bit different context. But um, who's going to have the better career, John Carlos Stanton or Christian Yelich? Oh, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna. It's it's gonna be oh, Yelich. That's tough. That's tough, man. I think it's gonna be Yelich. I, really, you don't think Giancarlo regains former form? I mean, obviously, it's been an issue for him yeah, as well. Yeah, maybe that's – I'm just being pessimistic as a Yankees fan because I really haven't gotten to see too much greatness out of him in the pinstripes. I mean, he's he's been good. Mm-hmm. Do not get me wrong. I'm not trying to shit on him. But in his career with the Yankees, you know, he's hitting two sixty six with uh, – 38 home runs, 100 RBIs in the course of 161 games. Uh, we've only seen him play in three games this year, so maybe I'm just being a pessimist, and you know, maybe I wasn't too <laughs> enamored with the season last year. But uh, maybe uh, I don't know. I- I'll try and stay optimistic, and I'll say Giancarlo. But that'll be an interesting one to debate. Uh, you know, especially when we get Giancarlo back in the lineup. Yeah, you're, that Yankees team is going to be scary once you get Judge <sighs> don't and Stanton get back me in there. Started. <laughs> don't get me started. All right, we're going to talk some NBA now. We want to talk uh, about the Warriors, and I feel like I feel like we've had this question come up um, every time uh, KD gets hurt. But are the Warriors a better team without Kevin Durant? Now, obviously, this wasn't an easy clean sweep uh, for uh, Golden State. The Warriors faced three separate deficits of at least 17 points in three different games uh, throughout that series. So they, you know, didn't only cruise to victory in one of those games. Um, <coughs> sorry. Ooh, Ooh, there we sorry, go. That's a healthy cough, dude. I think you gave me through through this phone. I think you gave me my uh, my cold too because the last few days. No. Oh, dude, I've been feeling rough. I've I've got a couple of coughs myself. So uh, hopefully we can fight this cure. Maybe maybe you know what we'll do is whoever wins this fantasy baseball matchup will just be will given a be given a clean bill of health. So maybe that's what we're fighting Well, how about for. this? I'll, I'll hold on to the antibiotics I just got uh, from right. the, the doctor, <laughs> and the winner gets the bottle. Oh, dude, I'm so on for that. I'm so ready. <laughs> I, I might take that. one more because I'm, I'm feeling it right now. Right. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Pills. Oh, I got you. We'll do that. Right, um, anyway, oh, where, where, where do you stand on this? I mean, is it really a debate? I mean, I feel like, you know, this is – I know you like Colin Cowherd, but I think this is some Colin Cowherd – type stuff here uh are the warriors really the better team without kevin durant <sighs> no <laughs> no I, you know obviously you know <laughs> kevin durant is at the very least i know a lot of people have been trying to say it since lebron james is not in the playoffs this year lebron james or kevin durant at the very worst to me is the second best player in all of basketball so no i'm not going to say that the warriors are better Without Kevin Durant, I just think... So you say better than Steph, for the record. You say better than Steph. Oh, I say Kevin Durant is a better basketball player than Steph Curry. Overall. Because I think that as much as Steph Curry is amazing on offense, I just think, you know, the defensive liabilities... I mean, you take a look. If you've got a a star forward that Kevin Durant is playing against, Kevin Durant is guarding that star forward. Steph Curry 
he's not guarding the top guard. And now, of course, you may say, oh, well, that's because Clay Thompson is on that team and he's the best two-way defender maybe at the guard position in, in basketball. But I would say that Steph Curry has been given, uh, given kind of just a, a slight because of his size and his ability, uh, his lack of ability to be a great defender. So I will say that Kevin Durant, to me, is the all-around just better basketball player. Um, so I'm not going to say that the Warriors are better without Kevin Durant. I just don't think that's true. I would say, you know, because of course you take a look at that Houston series and it wasn't as easy, I guess, if you look at how long it took for them to, to outlast, you know, the trailblazers, um, as it was the rock, as you think, Oh, well, well, Kevin Durant was playing against Houston. Houston to me was, was the team in the Western conference that could have given golden state a run for its money. Portland to me, as much as I love Damian Lillard, as much as I love Ennis Cantor, my former Nick, uh, you know, who I have a, a, a strong place for in my heart, even though. He was never part of any winning teams with the Knicks. I, I really don't know many players in my time as a Knicks fan that were part of winning teams. But, you know, as much as I love those two, Zach Collins, I think they have a lot of great pieces. The Rockets were the team that were was going to, you know, stand the best chance against Golden State in the not Western the Nuggets? In the Western Conference. No, not the Nuggets. I don't I, I think that they lacked I guess just the experience. I don't think a young team like that would have fared well against a Golden State team that has kind of just consistently been there. Of course, on their fifth straight trip to the finals, third behind. I think the. So you say the Bucks have no chance. Then. No, no, no. I'm saying in the Western Conference. I'm saying. In... <laughs> but I mean, you're you're saying an inexperienced team couldn't take down the Warriors. That's exactly oh. what we're talking about with the Bucks here. <laughs> oh. I've got you trapped here, Blake. All right. I'm going to say. <laughs> My problem, I guess, I, maybe I just think that the Nuggets were a worse team than the Bucks. I don't know. That's fair. I don't know. I, I mean, the Bucks, the the Nuggets don't have Giannis. As much as I love Nikola Jokic, as much as I love some of their other young guys on there, Giannis is to me, honestly, and I'm not trying to slight any other players in this league. I think he's the third or fourth best player in basketball. Um, and, we, and we've kind of seen that in the playoffs. And I also think their supporting cast. I mean, Brooke Lopez has been on a tear. I love Chris Middleton as well. Um, they've got some guys off the bench as well that I really like. But uh, to me, Denver just didn't have, you know, if Nikola Jokic is a great best player to have on your team, but I don't think he's the guy that could take over a game kind of like Giannis on both ends of the floor offensively and defensively and just manhandle uh, your opponent. So, I, so I'm not going to say that the Bucks don't stand a chance because of their lack of experience. I also think that their head coach uh, is a playoff-tested head coach that is should be one of the more well-respected coaches. Of course, his time in Atlanta didn't end well, Mike Budenholzer, but he is definitely you know a, a battle-tested head coach, and I like that what he's been able to do in his first year with the Bucks. But um, you know, back to the to the Western Conference specifically. You know, to me, the Houston Rockets were the team that was going to take down the Warriors. And so I think we're, you know, of course, that matchup wasn't in the Western Conference Finals. And yes, in the Western Conference Finals, the Warriors were able to sweep the Trailblazers. And, you know, I think Houston went to, what was it, six, five games? How many did they go to? Was it six? I'm trying to remember. It was six, it was six yeah. yeah. So six. in that six-game series, of course, six is longer than four. So, oh, why, why did, was it, you know, harder for them when Kevin Durant? No, Houston was just the better team to me, better than Portland. Uh, they were the to me the second best team in the Western Conference, especially when you look at star players, coaching, rotation. Um, so to me, you know, the, the the Warriors aren't better without Kevin Durant. Um, of course, you know, if you add the second best player in the world onto a basketball team, you're instantly better. I just think that they took advantage of a of an opponent that maybe didn't um, 
necessarily have as deep of, you know, I would say even wing players. You know, I take a look at, at guys and no discredit to Evan Turner. I think he's one of the more overpaid players in this league currently. If you take a look at his contract, um, you know, some of the other guys at, at the wing positions, I think they lack depth between, you know, the two and the four. Of course, they've got great guards. They've got great centers, uh, you know, a deep rotation, at least of guards and centers. But, you know, you look at those middle positions, I think they really struggled uh, there. And so, you know, I would just say that they kind of took advantage of a, of a lesser opponent. And no, they are not better without Kevin Durant. Well, okay, I, I agree with you. You know, you, you're talking about one of the top five players in the NBA. Um, you know, I, I, I can't tell you exactly where I put Katie on my list uh, of top five players in, in basketball. I'd have to take a bit of a deeper look at the numbers there, but he's just undisputable, you know, a game changing player. And, you know, when he was brought into Golden State, it shook the entire NBA. And, you know, he wrote that uh, Players Tribune article that everybody turned into a meme. Uh, it was just kind of this whole, you know, spectacle of, of wow, you know, this was already a super team. Now they have a super player, uh, which, you know, Curry was coming off of the double MVP seasons, uh, not to take away from what he did. Uh, but Katie just added a whole different element. It was a different kind of offense than what the, the Warriors were used to running. Uh, so, you know, Steve Kerr's unit had to really adapt uh, to KD. It wasn't, you know, that KD fit into what they were already doing. They really changed around the playbook uh, to fit KD's, uh, you know, repertoire, right? Now, with him out, the, the Warriors are really slipping back into what we used to see out of them. And I, don't, I wouldn't say that they're a better team. I mean, you know, like you said, I think, I think the Nuggets would have put up a better fight uh, against the Warriors than the Blazers did. I think we just really saw Damian Lillard turn it to another level. Uh, and he, you know, propelled – and CJ McCollum. I'm not taking anything away from him. Mm -hmm. uh, but the two of them really just propelled uh, the, the Blazers when they needed it. And it was, they were a team – you know, the only non-top uh, two-seeded team to make the conference finals – on either side this season, uh, you know, they were obviously a you know, top contender anyway, but I, I don't think anyone's really talking about the Blazers making the Western Conference Finals when all things were said and done uh, at the start of the postseason. So, you know, I think with this Warriors team, you know, we're, we're seeing Draymond Green really stepping up, uh, becoming a player that we haven't seen him be in years. Oh, yeah. you know, when was the last time we saw him be this kind of player? Mm -hmm. Back when KD wasn't on the team, back when he was in OKC, I mean, this is they're they're just running things a lot differently. We're seeing a whole lot of Curry off-ball movement. Uh, you know, Clay Thompson really stepping up on the defensive side, back and forth with the spot-up threes. I mean, you know, this is it's just a more fluid team uh, when they really get settled in. I mean, you know, these are players that all came up together, uh, became superstars together. Uh, there was a point in time where, uh, you know, the Warriors, I would say, had you know. One player in the top five, two players in the top 10, and three players in the top 15 players in the NBA. Right. Uh, and that would be Curry, Curry top five, uh, Clay top 10, which I still think Clay would probably be in the top 10. Um, and Draymond was in the top, top 15. Now Draymond's obviously dropped off, and they added KD to that mix. Um, and the bench has really thinned out. So this isn't, I wouldn't say the same team uh, that we saw before KD was around. I mean, depth was, was something that the Warriors really preached at the time. Uh, you know, the ability to, to wear out other teams by letting their bench, if it was running hot, you know, keeping uh, a couple of guys in for, you know, um, uh, who's on the, the Bucks right now, who's playing well off the bench for them. Uh, Grant Hill uh, was a big piece for them. George Hill. Uh, you know, or George Hill, sorry. Grant Hill, God. Grant Hill's a legend. Uh, it's, late, to, it's late. Shout, it's out, shout late out to back. Grant Hill. <laughs> Grant Hill, the man. Shout out um, to him. You know, uh, Iguodala is obviously still on the team, and he stepped up a little bit. 
uh, in the past few games. So, uh, you know, this it was a different team. It, certainly, you know, the depth was a big thing. But I think this, this Warriors team is more fluid. Uh, you know, everybody kind of had to just let Kevin Durant do his thing. And then in the times when you know, he's he's not an off-ball player, he's he's a ball-dominant guard, uh, forward uh, who needs to have the ball in his hands to make an impact uh, on the offensive side. And, you know, that, that really disrupted the Warriors because that wasn't really what they were all about. I mean, Curry is obviously a guy who holds the ball a lot. Uh, so that put the clash in there. Um, with him having to split time with Durant, um, you know, carrying the ball on the offensive side. Now Curry is able to be that guy uh, while still dishing it out, roll off, rolling off plenty of screens. I mean, it's just it's a lot of fun. This is I mean, I rooted for the Warriors back when, you know, they were first coming up. Oh, now right. I, I can't stand them. I mean, it's just it's I mean, it's a tired act at this point, just them winning over and over again. It's, it kind of broke the NBA uh, for a lot of fans, myself included. I kind of you know, I remember, you know. Uh, really tuning in the NBA playoffs now. That might be, uh, you know, partly because the Wizards were a lot more competitive back then. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, that being said, you know, this this Warriors team with Durant really made the NBA uh, a diff- like different. It, it just kind of changed everything. Where a lot of teams went into rebuild modes because they said there's no chance of us competing for a title right now with that kind of team. So we'll kind of wait out the Warriors uh, until they're done. Whereas even when it was just the, the, the team that we're seeing right now, you know, these three stars running things back in the day, it, it, it still seemed like, you know, they're, they're good right now, but they can only be good for so long. Um, you know, they don't have a ton of superstars. You know, they have the three guys, obviously. But, you know, that's something that, you know, we've seen big threes in the past get taken down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Warriors lost to the Cavs, obviously, um, without Durant. Uh, we saw LeBron in his first run at the finals with the Heat. They lost to the Mavs. Uh, so, you know, it's not a, an impenetrable uh, idea uh, where you have a big three and that's going to, you know, propel you to a championship. That that kind of gave other teams, you know, the sense of we got this. But as far as is this a better team right now? No. Is it the same team it used to be? No. Uh, but it's just unique. It, it's fun to watch. Uh, it makes for some really good basketball. And even if this isn't a competitive NBA finals, I mean, it's still, you know, fun to watch this team do its thing. I mean, obviously we're going to be getting Boogie Cousins back. Uh, KD's supposed to be back some point in the finals. So, you know, it's kind of a moot point in that, you know, it's not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's certainly been fun to watch this team uh, just roll over the Blazers. Oh. I mean, every yeah. time the Blazers got any kind of lead, it just disappeared like that. Um, and, and I, it was just, it and, was a spectacle. It really was. And you know, I have a bone to pick with that. And this is just a side segment about me venting is I knew I had to work. I had to go into work at 6am, uh, earlier today on May 21st. And I was watching the Portland game and I saw, Oh, they're up 17 at halftime. I want to see how this plays out. I want to see if they could take a game from this series because I, to be honest, I really wasn't paying too much attention after the first few games because it, it was just, it, it was golden state series, but up 17 and a half. I want to see if they could pull it off. And of course I stay up extremely late to have to watch the Warriors sweep them in overtime. Uh, and then I have to wake up. I think it was uh, five or six hours later just to get to work on time. So big thanks to Portland for really blowing that one for me and, you know, really not even making it worth my while just to see golden state get swept, but I am extremely tired. Uh, but yeah, to get off of my side rant, um, I think that, you know, I, I'm kind of in the mindset, uh, no matter who the Bucks, if it's the Bucks or the Raptors that do make it to the, uh, to the finals. And we can say now at this point in the show that the, uh, Toronto Raptors did blow out, uh, the Bucks. I believe it was 120 to 108, 120 to 102, 102. So, 
Yeah. yeah, blew out the Bucks. It's only the second time this year that the Bucks have lost back-to-back games. Isn't that crazy? Um, so <laughs> I mean, wow. I mean, yeah, just a great season for them. But if if they either team makes it to the finals, I want to see Kevin Durant playing because I, you know, I, I love watching matchups. You know, I liked watching Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, or you know, I guess if you were looking at Clay Thompson, Damian Lillard, just you know, comparing those. I want to see Giannis versus Durant or Kawhi versus Durant because we got to see Kawhi versus LeBron in the finals a couple years back. We got to see it twice, actually, and how, you know, a defensive guy like that faces off against one of the best players in basketball. Now we get to see, you know, possibly, you know, the chance of Giannis, one of the better two-way players in basketball and probably one of the best players in the game. If he's able to face off against Kevin Durant and have to guard him, how's Kevin Durant going to respond to, you know, a, a, a freak of nature like Giannis defending him? And then on the other side, Kawhi Leonard, probably the best defender in basketball, uh, you know, also taking on Kevin Durant. You know, as much as I like to see these wars and they remind me of the times where, like you said, you rooted for the Warriors. I for just of watching the positions, I you know I would still expect the Warriors to win the finals. Not you know not to say that it'd be fairly you know extremely easy, but I would expect you know maybe a six game series at the most. But you know it would be fun to watch Kevin Durant back on the court with those guys and see how they face off against two of the premier players in basketball. Because I mean both of those guys deserve a ton of credit, and you know Kawhi already has the Finals MVP. Giannis is one of the youngest bright stars in the game. To watch them go head to uh, you know head to head against a guy like Durant in the Finals, who already has two championships and two Finals MVPs in back to back years, would be an amazing matchup to see. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. It would be fun to see Kawhi, oh, so former uh, former um, Finals MVP versus Durant, back-to-back Finals MVP, um, just to see, kind of see them go out. I mean, I'm rooting for the Bucks personally, oh. um, just mm-hmm. because I love you watching Giannis play. This is a team that, you know, kind of uh, has been on the rise for a while and just really wasn't able to get over that hump. Um, and now, finally, you know, Giannis really taking that big step forward this year, you know, becoming an MVP caliber player. Uh, th- it's been a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, obviously Kawhi and, and his future has been kind of hanging over this Raptors team. Um, but, you know, I, I love that Kyle Lowry is getting a chance uh, to go deep in the postseason that, you know, they've been they were eliminated by LeBron how many times in a row? I mean, oh, it was geez. it was something terrible. Yeah. Um, but I saw I saw a thing that said, um, you know, LeBron haunted uh, the Raptors for years. Did he just pass the torch on to Giannis uh, for him to haunt uh, the Raptors continually from there, um, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, but anyway, you know, as far as the Warriors go, uh, they're, they're a pretty awesome team. I mean, there's no getting around it. I mean, they've been a, a team that's been at the top of the NBA for God knows how many years now mm-hmm. uh, to the point where it broke basketball and, you know, regardless who they play, I think they're going to be the favorite. Uh, I would say that that Milwaukee has the better chance of beating them, just because. Me I mean, too. you know, we talk about so many guys on that team uh, who have been making an impact. Uh, you know, you talk about Giannis, but you talk about Middleton. You, you talk about Malcolm Brogdon, uh, who's been awesome. Oh, uh, Robin Lopez. Uh, my um, guy, Brooke, Brooke Lopez, the, coo- Brooke Lopez, the cooler yeah, brother, dude. the cooler brother. I've been messing up the first names today, mm-hmm. uh, especially with basketball players. Yeah, but bad. there's multiple Lopez's, um, so, you know, I get that. All right. Well, any any parting words on the, uh, the Warriors ooh, here? Ooh, yes. One last thing I want to get in about Kevin Durant. Reports came out, I believe I saw yesterday that uh, the Knicks and Durant reportedly have a uh, have a deal in place oh 
And isn't that tampering? But yes. So we're, we can't yes. we can't come out and say that this is official. But the stipulation is is that Kevin Durant would get his own personal TV show on the MSG network. So as much as I'm excited about the finals, what? this this NBA offseason is about to be insane. So I, I you know I can't you know let me ask you this: Bucks Warriors finals compared to this NBA offseason, what would you be more excited to watch? Because we've got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, we've got a slew, Clay Thompson, all these guys are going to set to be set to be free agents. We've got, of course, the draft coming up. What are the Pelicans going to do with Anthony Davis? What are the Lakers going to do as a franchise to try and bring in another superstar? Are you more interested in the NBA Finals or what's about to happen in the offseason? I'll tell you my dream scenario uh, for this offseason right. is... The Wizards trading Bradley Beal <laughs> oh. to the Lakers oh, wow. uh, for their pick. I think that's something, you know, we talked about on the last podcast huh. how the, the Lakers really don't have a use for young talent at this point. The, the, the Wizards need young talent desperately, and Bradley Beal is the guy that, you know, they could give up. I mean, he, he wouldn't be, you know, the only guy. Uh, that pick wouldn't be the only thing you're getting back for Beal. Um, but I, I think a package, including that pick, would be huge for the Wizards franchise. Uh, and then, listen, I, I agree with you. This offseason is going to be awesome. Uh, I just don't think there's anything that really competes the product uh, on the court. Uh, you know, I, I love watching basketball. And, and as much as, you know, it was like this baseball offseason, you know, it was supposed to be the offseason. Uh, and then it just dragged on and on with Harper okay. and Machado. And I know it's not going to be the same it's thing. Different. The it's different. The leagues are different. in different states yeah. right now. And it's all going to happen like that in, in a couple of days where everything happens. But that's the thing is this, all these moves happen in – what a two week span. And then, and then we go six months without basketball. Uh, and that, you know, I can't do it. It's, it's awful. I mean, I, I have baseball to tide me over and football season obviously starts uh, around that time. So, right. you know, I'll have those, but you know, there, there, there's nothing like the NBA. Of course. I, I all agree with you as in, I, I love, you know, just watching sports, but as just, I guess my, the Knicks fan of myself is just like, I'm in a daze as to see what's happened after all these rumors about Kyrie, Kevin Durant, of course, the heartbreaking moment where the Knicks didn't get the number one overall pick. Do they swing that into a trade with the number three pick? Do they draft RJ Barrett? You know, I'm excited to see what superstar ends up with the Clippers, what LeBron and, and Rob Palinka can do with the Lakers to try and, you know, add in an all NBA type talent. Uh, you know, are the Lake are the Warriors going to be able to at least keep Clay Thompson? Because I personally believe Kevin Durant is already out the door. If Clay Thompson is gone, what do the Warriors do to reload? Are they going for a guy like Tobias Harris? Maybe on a you know not a as big of a max as they would have signed some of the other guys, but maybe bringing on a contract. Do they bring back Demarcus Cousins? What do the Pelicans do around Zion Williamson? To me, just like I understand that this finals. The NBA Finals is always, you know, like a, a great series. But the last two years, we've gotten series that really haven't been totally interesting. And we even think, you know, about last year's finals. I used to be a guy. I would watch every game of the NBA Finals. Last year, to be honest, I think I might have missed two or three of the games, being completely honest. Just I, I, I think I might have just missed some. Because I mean, I, I don't was blame like, you. And so it, this year, I don't blame you, you know, if the Bucks start out strong and maybe they grab a game early on, uh, they do have the home court advantage. Advantage. Maybe they grab game one or two at home. I'll be more interested. 
But to me, the, this is just the Warriors series. Uh, this is the Warriors league. And I think this is going to be the final year that we see it. So, uh, you know, after watching it happen for the last, you know, four or five years, you know, of course they only, you know, they missed that other one to Cleveland. Um, I, I'm kind of ready to just see how, when this dynasty ends in the off season, who puts themselves in the best position to capitalize on the Warriors era coming to, I guess, sort of an end. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be plenty of storylines. Don't get me wrong; it's it's, it's going to be fun to watch. Oh, so much fun! Um, I'm I, I can't complain about how excited. I mean, the past couple NBA off seasons have just been uh, electric, really. I mean, you know, it all kind of started with Kevin Durant going to the Warriors. Since then, I mean, we've seen a lot of stars change teams. A lot of teams go into rebuilds and sell off their stars to other teams. Um, you know, it's 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 and a lot of players just hit free agency, deciding not to sign with the teams that they've been with for a while. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun, uh, these, these past couple of agencies, I'm sure that this one coming up is going to be no different. And just not really, uh, I think the Knicks are the most intriguing team of the off season outside, maybe the Pelicans only cause they have number one pick, but, um, you know, what the Knicks are going to look like next year compared to this year, they're going to be completely different. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and who the faces of the Knicks are going to be is going to shape how a lot of other teams approach their off season. So, uh, it, it's going to be fun. I'll tell you what, I just, I, you know, uh, from a wizard standpoint, not super excited yeah. uh, to see Bradley Beal go, but at the same time, you know, there's no way the wizards can afford to keep him. I am in full, uh, favor of trading him, uh, and start that rebuild up hmm. because I mean, the, the, the wizards have just been treading hey, water for years now. Tanking doesn't work though. Just in case, you know, if you want to learn from my pain, <laughs> apparently tanking doesn't work anymore. If the Pelicans can mediocre is best. Apparently. Yeah. Apparently, well, that's the thing is that's what the Wizards have Being been. mediocre so, and getting – I guess that's the second part. You have to be mediocre and get lucky like the Pelicans did. So, Well, the Wizards had the sixth best odds, number one pick, and ended up with the ninth pick. So you're telling me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least you're still within the top exactly, three. Exactly, exactly. You, your odds played toward you. Yeah, uh, in fair that way. All right. Um, so before we go, um, Game of Thrones, any, oh. any thoughts, Blake? Uh, I know oh, you, you yeah. were texting Let's me, but I hadn't, I hadn't seen it. Just, just hit me. Hit oh. me with your, your thoughts on this. Wait, first off, I want to know. Spoilers ahead. I want to know that. Oh yeah, spoilers ahead. Uh, first off, I need to know, as we've talked about our friend Tom multiple times on the show, did he spoil it for you? Uh, whoever texted saying all hail, uh, Brand the night. Oh yeah, that was Tom. That, yeah, that's spoiled Damn. it. I was so blown. Oh, it was the last text I saw too. I was I just put away my phone as soon as I saw. Oh, it. Oh, I feel I felt so bad because the problem is, if you look at our text exchange, uh, let me pull it up real quick. Uh, you you said like has Matt seen it? I know he's at the game because I was at the Nats game. Right, um, you were watching night, the Nats, so you missed the finale, and so what? I texted. Uh, I texted and asked, you said you were at the Nats game, and then right after that, Tom sent the message, all hail King Bran the Broken. Yeah. And so as soon as he said uh, that, he started texting all hail King everybody. It was like Drogon. It was like, uh, you know, Torben. I didn't even read him, dude. Oh, dude. I didn't even as read him. As soon as he sent that, I texted him. I was like, you effing idiot. Okay, so now that we've gotten that out of the way, now that the end of the show was spoiled for you by Tom, which also, by the way, comes full circle because you, you know, <laughs> right. secondhand spoiled the Red Wedding for him. 
Um, <laughs> but that was even on purpose. Right. That wasn't intentional. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so my thoughts on the final episode. I watched it the first time. I loved it. I was sad. I was very emotional, caught up in the show. And then the next day I watched it a second time. I did a lot of readings. And now I'm further just disappointed. And I'm not disappointed in how the show went. I'm disappointed in the director's for telling HBO who was more than willing to let the show go as long as they needed the two directors to be like, nah, six seasons in the final or six episodes in the final season is all we need. Um, I was very upset uh, with the fact that we saw, you know, of course that scene uh, before, you know, I guess it blacked out where John killed Daenerys and Drogon ran away with her. We just black out. We, we skip ahead three weeks. You know, Game of Thrones is a show where we get to see all the plots. You know, if it, if this was season yeah, two, everything unfolding. If this was season two, you could have spent two episodes between that blackout segment and then before how everyone showed up in King's Landing. Um, there were so many plot yeah. lines that were skipped. There were so many things that were glanced over. Um, to me, this was the final straw. After watching it for the second time and getting away from the, I I think when I watched it initially, I was too caught up in the emotion of the show finally coming to an end that I was like, Oh, this was, this was good. This was a story about the Starks and, and I'm happy with this. Now that I'm further away from it, I'm more upset because there were so many things that were just ignored from the previous seasons. There were yeah, so many, that's my there were so many things that just didn't matter with the show. I mean, John was Aegon Targaryen. What did that matter at this point? He got sent to the Night's Watch. He's now a wildling. Like, there were so many different storylines that just... We completely ignored what was talked about in seasons two or three or four. How about Arya in The Faceless Men? She used it like, once! What, what, that role did that play? She used it no, once! And and we, we have so many characters who we just never revisited. I mean, Arya's list. Illin Payne. Whatever happened to Illin Payne? The man just disappeared. We never talked about him again. Uh, let's talk. How about Oberyn's wife? Uh, the, the the prince, the queen of Dorne. You know, whatever happened to, to everything that happened with her? I mean, there are so many things. I mean, we saw Bran turn into this <laughs> time-traveling, animal-imitating, all-knowing being. For him to do what? I mean, yes, he was named king, but like he didn't do anything to get there other than basically orchestrate himself becoming king by setting up, by telling, you know, John, oh, you know, you're you're a Targaryen who he knew would tell Daenerys mm -hmm. and then knew he would also tell his siblings and he knew his siblings would get pissed about it and tell other people, create drama, someone would have to die, he ends up being king. That was all – just the whole ending didn't wrap things up for me in the way that I wanted it to. I mean I'm not somebody who invested years in Game of Thrones. I watched all seven seasons in a month <laughs> uh, last September, uh, and, and that's how I caught up to the show and then you know, obviously had all these months leading up to this, this last finale. But I agree. They, six episodes, I know they were long episodes, but they went, they went for the spectacular montages. I mean it seemed like you know, the most important scenes – in this season were all music and no talking. Yeah. You know, there was nothing said. There was no dialogue going on. It was just, just, you know, Daenerys flying over King's Landing, lighting everybody up and everybody screaming for yeah. a solid 35 minutes. It was the, the battle uh, of the dead, mm -hmm. uh, you know, at Winterfell when, uh, John is just standing there about to get, um, you know, lit up by the dragon and Arya comes up and stabs the Night King. Uh, you know, no, no dialogue in any of that. I mean, there was 
and just the whole thing it just screamed to me that they went for special effects and shock value over actual in-depth storytelling and that's what disappointed me yeah and and the problem is is that they spent the first five seasons doing the exact opposite it was all about the storytelling exactly or the first five or six seasons you know season seven i I, there were episodes hit or miss for me episode eight or season eight this final season really killed it for me how about the fact that the night king who we worried about for the entire show one battle that dude built up his entire army my favorite one episode meme my favorite meme after that episode was a screenshot of the 28 to three scoreboard from the Patriots oh. <laughs> uh, Falcons Super Bowl with the Night King on uh, the the 28th side, and that, I mean it's it's real that he had everything, you know. And there was we never got to see anything about his history, you know, who he really was. Nothing. Was he connected to Bran? I mean, if you. I don't know about you. I, I I was all over the Game of Thrones Reddit uh, subreddit for the past you know whatever months, and that was the big thing was what is the connection between Bran and the Night King, and it just was not explained, not touched on at all. Uh, you know, there was the in the books the guy who built the wall, his name was Bran. I don't know if they mentioned that in the in right. the show or the movie, the show or not, um, but I know that that's in the books. Is, is Bran the Builder was the guy who built the wall? They never draw on that connection at all. Uh, and, and what the hell was that with Jamie going all the way back for, for yeah. Cersei after sleeping? I think I think what they did was they they wanted to get the fans of um, uh, Brand of Tarth to sympathize and, and be excited that Jamie finally fell for her. They you know they had sex whatever, and then he just dips out because oh we got to tie the whole story arc back to Cersei, uh, you know, and go back to him and. And, and, and Braun, you know, Braun was supposed to come there and kill him. And there was going to be that whole build up there. And his one conversation with them dips out for the rest of the season until we're a couple weeks later after, you know, all the events you just mentioned. And he's, you know, on the small council. You know, what what happened there? You know, he, obviously he got high garden. He was, you know, got everything he was promised. But there was so much missing in the middle of that that you could have built off of. And that was that was the thing about uh, Game of Thrones. It was so cool that, you know, in a 60 minute episode, you had four in-depth stories that you followed they were like every 15 minutes you would switch to a different part of the world right you know it would be yeah. Dorne, and then it would switch to winterfell and then it would switch to king's landing and you you know, were following different characters at different points and seeing how one person's actions across the world were affecting another's and and all this kind of stuff right there was none of that in the season it was an episode of cersei it was an episode of winterfell it was an episode of cersei it was finally the battle that's it you know, it was like there was no – it was all following one plot line the entire time. There, there weren't the interwoven plot lines we were used to seeing. Yeah. I mean, uh, as as much as I want to get mad about the final season, and I'm certainly – you know, as the more I, I talk about it and the further away I am from watching it initially, I get more upset. I am really appreciative about the show and, and you know, all the yeah, enjoyment and the, and I had from the it. The time they Dude, put in. And, you and, saw Sansa ripped the, the people who did the, the petition. Oh, uh, yeah. Sophie Turner, the yeah. actress who played her, ripped the people who – there's like apparently a million signatures on a petition to redo the season. Uh, and she ripped them, said, you know, that, that's disrespectful oh, all the time super. they put in. I get that. I'm not, and, I didn't sign a petition. But I, I'm disappointed. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying the final product yeah. wasn't what I was hoping for. Do I, I appreciate what the work they did? Sure. But, you know – 
in the end, it wasn't what I was hoping. And the for. one thing I will give them credit for is that I always thought from episode one that this was a story about the Stark family, and people always wondered: is it a story about Daenerys Targaryen? Is it a story about the Starks? Is it a story about Tyrion Lannister? And at the end, we finally got the answer. I always see. For me, I was always just the most invested in the Stark family. And they ended up sure. seeming it, – it, look, it looks like they rule the entire nation now. So, you know, it worked out for them pretty well. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm glad that it tied in back to the family that I kind of was pulling for the entire time. But I definitely can't say that I was really pleased with how it all wrapped up. What family do you think you'd be a part of if you were uh, on the show? Ooh. Where, where do you fall under? Uh, <laughs> where would I fall under what family – uh, I would probably go with, you know, I'm going to go, since I'm, I'm a New York guy, I'm from the up north, I'm going to go with the wildlings. I'm going to say I was a wildling. I, <laughs> I, I just, I just picture myself up there with a pair of Timberland boots, uh, rooting passionately for the Knicks and not shaving, uh, you know, my entire life. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, you know, sleeping under a giant and getting some titty milk as well. <laughs> like, to my, nice. like my, like my guy Tormin. <laughs> Tormund. At least we got to see him one more time. Yeah, that was cool. And that, Ghost. That and fun. Ghost. Ghost got pet by John, so yeah. that was cool. I. How much you want to bet that after the outrage of him yep. not getting enough pets in that previous episode, they changed? It I so heard that about that. I heard that they. I. I heard he had to cancel. Did they do that? I heard that what happened was is that John had to cancel like a weekend fundraiser because he had to go back for something. And I guarantee it was for him to That's pet what Ghost. It was. I I just I feel <laughs> I feel like it has to be. If he canceled something for the show, it had to be for that scene. And there was another cup uh, in the in the episode. Bro, too. a water bottle. The Starbucks cup. Oh my there god! Bottle, Nothing. Yeah. It, it just seems like they got so lazy. Ugh, whatever. I, uh, How do you not catch that, man? Uh, I mean, there's so many rounds of editing. Dude, you've been doing this show for ten years. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It makes me mad. It makes me mad. Um, I would say I'm a Lannister personally, Lannister, uh, yeah. which I, I wouldn't say well, it's got the blonde hair. I'm a money, money pincher. I got the, I got the brighter hair. Sure. I think I'm more Southern. I wouldn't say I'm from the South, South, uh, but I'm, I'm no, Northern Virginia. We, we like to see ourselves as the cutoff right. uh, from the South. Um, but I, I think, you know, the, the planning aspect of it, the, the part where, you know, they're not necessarily fighters they're they're more tacticians. I think that's what I would fall under. Uh, somebody, you know, I'm not going to be the one strapping up with an ax in my hand and, and going head to head with anybody. Uh, certainly I would lose, uh, no, no doubt about that. But I think, you know, planning, uh, all the, the battles and things like that, that's something I could do. So I think, I think I'd fall under the Lannister oh, uh, between, sucks. besides the look. Right. Um, honestly, I would say for you, Baratheon seems to be the, oh, the Baratheons. The I like that. I like that. And why is that? I, I think you could be a Baratheon. I could be a Baratheon. You got the dark hair. You yeah. Know? Dark hair. Um, all right. That definitely helps. Uh, but not, don't take this the wrong way, but you remind me of, uh, Renly. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) You do look like Renly. I'm sorry, but God, I'm going to pull up a picture now. All right, let's, let me take a look. Look at him with, with the, with the beard. Make sure he has the beard because you have, you have the beard. All right, with the beard, I'm going to take a look. Oh, Jesus, man. Well, you know, that's the thing that's crazy about him is he has the beard that, it, on the sides, it's thinner, and right at the chin, it gets a little bit thicker. So, you know, yeah. I'm not going to disagree and say that we don't have the same exact kind of beard. Oh, I'm never going to be able I'm to have see to, that. Yeah, obviously, it just kind of popped in my head now, but I can't believe I've never thought of it before. Oh, that's crazy. I'm going to have to put this on Twitter. Yeah, you're gonna it's have happening. To, you're going to have to take a look at that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Love well, to see it. Aaron Rodgers, uh, he who hated was in the it. show, he hated it. 
just totally ripped into it. Yeah. Uh, but so I kind of said the same thing we were saying. Just not enough was wrapped up uh, in that he didn't think that, um, you know, he, he thought that the producers and the special effects were great. But, you know, obviously the, yeah. the I think it was just the writing, man. Oh, it yeah. was the writing. writing. was rough. That's really Very what it came rough. down to. I heard a couple of the, the actors weren't super thrilled with it either. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I've seen that too. I've seen a few, you know, kind of short interviews, clips where they they seem a little hesitant to talk about the final season. <laughs> All right. Well, this is not a Game of Thrones podcast. This is a sports eh. podcast. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this, we, we've talked, we talked Game of Thrones a few times. Sports uh, and I think this is the most Thrones both have games, so it, games are. This in is there, true. So I'm so, okay, what is your take? What is your take on this? Somebody to me the other day called it games, like no. referring well, to no. Game of Thrones. They didn't call it games. God. They didn't call it Thrones. They called it games. No, it's Thrones. That's 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 fucked up. Right? Yeah, it's, that's, it's, wrong, it, that's just wrong. It's not games. It's Thrones. It's the show is Thrones. <laughs> Thank or, you. or or I, I ripped on him, and he was trying to defend himself. No, but, yeah, know, that's I, that's I couldn't just believe wrong. that. Yeah, that's completely wrong. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think that'll do it. Um, oh, oh, one more thing. I wanted to get your just real quick. Mm-hmm. I, I was listening to part of my take this morning, right. and Patrick Mahomes was brought on for Grit Week. Yes, I, I, I listened listen. to that as well. Uh, great, great conversation. Uh, if you haven't if you haven't listened to that episode, you should definitely check it out. But um, a hundred yards in in hey. Mexico, he thinks he can throw a football hundred yards. Do you believe it? I do. I mean, he got eighty uh, eighty some in Denver, and he doubled that uh, yeah. elevation. I, I we're gonna have to watch it. He's gonna have to do it, honestly. If, you know, now that yeah, now that really, he's put I mean, it out there, and they do get to play next year. Or, I think the Chiefs are back in Mexico City uh, next what season. Is NFL Mexico game. I think it's the Mexico Chiefs. 20. Uh, Chargers Chiefs in Mexico. So we're we're yep. gonna get a chance to see it. I hope. I mean. Now that he's brought it out there, now that he's talked about it, you're, the, the cameras are going to be watching him. And, and so, you know, whether it's in practice leading up a few days before or, you know, I, I doubt he would do it pregame. Just, I, I don't know, I just would get nervous about, you know, potentially him trying to overdo it and hurting his arm. But I definitely think yeah. at that elevation, it's the, the stadium with the highest elevation, I think, in the world is from what I've seen. It's at the highest point of elevation uh, of any professional football stadium. Or any stadium in the uh, in the entire uh, globe, so I do think he would be able to do it. And man, if, when he does it, I'm gonna go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if he doesn't do it in the game, he needs to stay oh. on the field afterward and do it in the I mean, game. At that point, who cares? So, I mean, uh, yeah, hail mary. I don't. That'd be crazy. Dude, I'd love I've to see. I've seen that. him throw some bombs. Oh, dude, I he mean, chucks it. You know, you put. You, you you happen to get like a situation where they punt it inside the five yard line, air it out, man. Just just chuck it. First play. I don't care. All right. Just, I'm done. just you know, Andy Reid's innovative enough to work with a second and long situation. Right. I don't I don't doubt it. Just give him a shot. Yeah, I'm for it. I'm for it. I'll I'll be down to watch that. I, I think we'll get it. But Tyreek Hill's gotta be on the field. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we don't know about that one yet. We don't know about that one. <laughs> I'm interested to see what the Chiefs do after having such a firm grip with Kareem, uh, where yeah. they, you know, when they saw, you know, they were like, no nonsense, you know, this happened, we got to let you go. And you can afford to do that with one superstar, you know, make a statement to the rest of your team that this isn't uh, allowed. But now, you know, it happened again. I mean, obviously the and, investigation's still ongoing. And you talk about um, how perfect the pairing is between Mahomes and Tyreek. I know. I mean, I, know. I, I get 
everyone says running backs are growing off trees these days, and so I understand the Kareem Hunt spectacle of, well, you know, the Chiefs have run through Jamal Charles, Spencer Ware. There was, you know, Charkandrick West who did well with that offense. Not to say Kareem Hunt is, is worse than those guys or, you know, even at the same level of talent. I believe he probably is, you know, aside from Jamal Charles at the end of his career, probably, um, you know, better than those guys. But you talk about Tyree Kill. He's probably the best wide receiver fit for Patrick Mahomes just because of that deep ball speed. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a Ted Ginn with hands yeah. and more than one move. Yeah, yeah very true. <laughs> very true. Um, all right. All right. That's going to do it for us. We hit the hour mark. I think oh, we yeah. can call this a podcast here. Anything, it is, uh, last it is here, a but... podcast. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. If you want to follow us on Twitter, of course, I'm at Blake Andrew Pace. Uh, you can find me talking about Colts information for SB Nation Stampede Blue. Actually, uh, you know, fun time to announce that I will be joining uh, <clears throat> long title here at SB Nation. Troy Nunez is an absolute magician. That is the Syracuse uh, Athletics SB Nation page. I should be starting with them by the end of this week. So make sure to, you know, if you're a Syracuse fan Ooh. as much as I am, that I'll be joining uh, their staff as well. Um, and then Matt, you are at Matt Wyrick, of course, federal baseball with the Nats. You get to talk about the amazing season that they're having so far. Anything else you want? The absolutely yeah. mind blowing season that we've had, yeah. uh, that makes me, I mean, honestly, Nats the number one pick at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> I'm not saying throwing the towel just yet, but I mean, I'm dude, I, I'm looking at this Nats team in the state of, of the NL East. And I think a, a Yankees esque retool mm -hmm. is exactly what the Nats need to get back. I mean, we've run our farm system dry. The Nats have nobody uh, coming up. Carter Keyboom, who, who came up earlier this season, he's back down the minors right now and hitting really well. Uh, he's our second baseman of the future. Mm -hmm. um, but outside of him, I mean, we have our next uh, prospects are two years away. Uh, so nobody really that could step in. Uh, you know, I would love to see what the Nats can get for, for Anthony Rendon. And it's kind of pulling a Roldis Chapman type deal where you say, hey, Go win a championship, and uh, we'll see you back here. I, I read an article earlier that was uh, saying, could Anthony Rendon be traded to the Yankees with Andujar out for the year? Oh, wow. Uh, which would hmm. – you'd be getting in a fantastic player yeah. who I think would fit right in with that clubhouse. Well, uh, Rendon can fit in anywhere. He's a great personality. And quiet, for sure, kind of does his own thing. But um, you do that, you, know, you see what you could get for Sean Doolittle, um, you know, and, and, and maybe a guy like Matt Adams for, for a small price or um, – Brian Dozier, if he can ever figure it out. So there, there are a couple. Adam Eaton. There's this whole debacle right now. Adam Eaton and Todd Frazier going at it, um, where he, Eaton's basically being exposed for being a bad teammate. Um, <laughs> Great. Or at least he was back when he was on the White that. Sox. Yeah. Um, but apparently he's a vocal leader in the clubhouse now. Mm -hmm. So he had, he got a fresh start with the Nats, and apparently that's gone well. But yeah. back when he was in Chicago, not a lot of people liked him. Right. Um, so. I don't really know what exactly is going on there, but yeah, you know, see what you can get for him, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. exactly. Well, as much as the uh, dysfunction is there with Washington, of course, you can follow along Matt's Twitter to uh, stay updated with yes. all of it. He'll have <laughs> he'll have you covered. Uh, thank you guys. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. This is, of course, reasonably outrageous with Blake Pace and Matt Wyrick. We will catch you with our next episode later this week. Thank you so much for listening, and take care.